Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Uh, yeah, we're going behind the scenes of the Christmas story. So we're going to follow the story uh, from, well, I'll tell you where in a minute. Uh, and just to clarify, well, we've got Hebron over here, Nazareth here, Jerusalem here, but they're sort of not quite to scale. So I want to give you a bit of an idea how they are. So if this is Bethlehem, by the way, uh, with the, this is the stable, obviously, that you realise that, I'm sure, when you came in. So currently there are characters in Jerusalem, some in Nazareth, some in Hebron. Currently I'm Billy Nomates in Bethlehem. But I want you to imagine that here's Bethlehem. About 15 miles south is Hebron, okay? And then about five miles north is Jerusalem. And then about 85 miles north is Nazareth. So if Bethlehem were Oxted, then Hebron would be Crawley, Jerusalem would be Catrum, and Nazareth would be Northampton. All right, let's just give you a bit of an idea of how things are. Amazing, eh? And, and we're going to follow a timeline this morning. And so I want you to uh, try to think that Jesus hasn't yet been born. Okay, and he's going to be born on the 25th of December, 2022. All right, so it hasn't quite happened yet. We're not quite there. And we're going to run a timeline up to Jesus' birth and slightly beyond, beyond it. So we're going to, uh, before I get into the timeline, I must just say, do you think these signs are fantastic? Yes. Give Nathan a shout out because he... Fantastic. Great job. So we're going to start our timeline in 1962. All right. So here we go. This is the embarrassing bit. Who was alive in 1962? <laughs> hey, I'm, I was. Uh, yeah, I was there. But, you know, to try and include everyone, how about 2002? Who was alive in 2002? Yeah. All right. Some more. Who, who was alive in 2012? Yeah, now that should have included everyone. All right? Now, I want you to imagine yourself at the earliest point. So if you, if you were alive in 1962, try to picture yourself then. Or if you were in 2002, try to picture yourself then. Or 2012, imagine yourself then. And I want you to imagine that somebody has said something to you, maybe you've opened the Bible and you've looked at it and you feel like God has revealed something to you. It's not happened yet. It's going to happen at some point in the future. You don't know when it is, but you think this is amazing. I need to pray. I feel like God's stirring me to pray. So you start praying and you might think, I'm going to pray every day. Or you might think, well, I, I'll pray once a week. Or perhaps once a month. And can you imagine praying all that time from whether it was 1962, 2002, 2012, and you're praying all this time? Can you imagine doing that? Well, two of my favorite characters in the Christmas story did that. They lived in Jerusalem, and their names were Simeon and Anna. And they're over here in Jerusalem. And they come at the end of the story normally, 
And quite often they don't appear in the Christmas story at all. They get sort of ignored. But I think they're great because we're told that Anna was a prophetess. And it says in the Bible in Luke 2, she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. Now, some of your Bibles might say that she lived for 84 years after her marriage, but that would make her about 108. Uh, but we'll guess that she's about 84. So she's getting on a bit. You know. She did not leave the temple ground serving night and day with fasts and prayers. And it says that she was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, the other character, Simeon, it says of him, he was in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon, and he was righteous and devout. And he was looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ, until he had seen the Messiah. So for years, for decades, these two people and some others with them had been praying towards that point when the Messiah would come. Maybe for 60 years, maybe for 20 years, maybe only, <laughs> only for 10 years. But they'd been praying and they'd been waiting and they had hope and they had expectation and they had faith because God had spoken to them. They didn't know when this thing was going to happen, but they were praying, they were waiting, they had hope. And they had expectation that it was going to happen. Now we're going to move forward in our timeline quite a long way. Okay, through to September 2021. So just the tail end of last year. And we've got a character in Hebron. And his name's Zechariah. And he's a priest. And he's making his way from Hebron and he's walking the 20 miles or so to Jerusalem. And he's, he's quite old. He's been doing it for many, many years. And he loves it. He loves his job. He loves going to Jerusalem to serve. And it says that he is of the division of Abijah. And that's a bit of an odd thing. But, you know, if you want to find out more about it, go back to 1 Chronicles 24 and you'll find King David and Zadok the priest sat down working out what they're going to do with their priests. And they divide them up into 24 divisions and then they, they serve every 24 weeks. So sort of twice a year and then some special occasions. And so this was a time when uh, Zechariah was making his way to Jerusalem to serve in the temple for his week for the division of Abijah because that's where he'd been allocated. And his... His task was to serve in the temple. And he loved it. He loved doing it. But as he was making his way, he was feeling disappointed. You see, he was old. He loved his job, but he had disappointment. Let's find out why. He had a wife. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. That's not a bad statement to make about someone, is it? And yet, they had no child, because Elizabeth was infertile, and they were both advanced in years. 
You see, there was a point when he had hope and he had expectation. He was hoping that they'd have a child, but now they'd passed that date. They'd passed that time and he'd given up hope. He'd given up expectation, despite the fact that he was a priest who taught the people about Abraham and Sarah and how they had had a child in their old age. But somehow he'd allowed disappointment to filter into his life. And so we find him in the temple serving and he's in the holy place and he's lighting the incense and he can hear the people praying and he loves to hear the people praying. And then suddenly, bam, there's an angel right next to him. Sorry, did I frighten you there? <laughs> Woke you up. <laughs> so, and he thought, crumbs, I've got an angel. And the angel says to him, this, this comes up quite, quite often in the Christmas story, don't be afraid. <laughs> Every time an angel appears, not entirely surprising. And it's Gabriel. And he says to Zechariah, don't be afraid, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. Now, for him, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, just that would be stunning. But then the angel continues, and he says, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice over his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. He will be a forerunner in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the disobedient to an attitude of righteousness, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow. So this isn't just a son, which is miraculous in itself, but this son is going to grow up to do something spectacular. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. But even though Zechariah should have been hugely excited, his disappointment had gnawed away at him. And he says, well, how on earth can that happen? Do you not know how old I am and how old my wife is? Now, it's interesting what Gabriel replies. He doesn't berate him. He doesn't tell him off. He doesn't say, remember Abraham and Sarah. He says, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I don't think he was miffed. I don't think he's saying, do you not know who I am? I'm not sure angels do that sort of thing. I think he was saying, I stand in the presence of God. And where are you, Zechariah? You are standing in the presence of God. And when you stand in the presence of God, the impossible becomes possible. And he reminds him, look where you are. You're standing in the holy place in the temple in the presence of God. You've been teaching the people all these things all this time. And you've forgotten it for yourself. And so he says, you're going to be struck dumb. And from that moment, Zechariah can't speak. <laughs> and, and he comes out and the people are wondering what on earth's going on. Why is he taking so long? 
And he comes out and he, he has to gesticulate. What, and they, they sort of get it quite quickly, it seems. They're, they're, oh, oh, he's seen a vision. Oh, he's ah, seen an angel. Amazing. And then, well, oh, Zechariah, he has to make his way home from Jerusalem, the 20 miles to Hebron, back to his house. And now he would probably tie up with some people who he would probably go to the market and say, anyone going to Hebron direction? I'd like to travel with you because there's robbers and bandits on the road. But he can't speak. And he's trying to find out where people are going. And it's like, what, what is the matter with this man? And eventually he hears somebody going towards Hebron and he, you know, and they're going there sort of wondering, thinking, yeah, I suppose you should. Yeah, maybe. We'll keep an eye on him. And then on the way, they stop for something to eat. And they say, do, do you want chicken or lamb? What? You don't want anything? No, I'm wrong. And this poor guy is trying to communicate because he can't speak. And then when he gets home, he arrives eventually at Hebron. And he taps Elizabeth on the shoulder and she nearly jumps a mile. Why didn't you say something? And then he has to explain to her what on earth has gone on. And he tries to explain how it was. And she says, what's the matter with you? And not only has he got to explain that he's lost his voice, but he, the reason he's lost his voice and the fact that there was an angel and what the angel said. You imagine trying to explain that without your voice. And eventually he gives up and he takes... Elizabeth by the hand, and he leads her to the bedroom, and she says, oh, Zechariah. <laughs> and we'll leave them there. There are two people who are looking forward to getting betrothed. Their names are Joseph and Mary. And he says, it's about, you know, that sort of September, October time last year, and they're looking forward to their betrothal. Now that you know, their betrothal is a bit like a marriage, but not quite. It's not like our engagement. You know, it's much a big, much bigger deal. And, you know, they're really looking forward to it. And the difference between betrothal and marriage is that they, when they're betrothed, they, they're together, they're in a contract, they're in a relationship, but they don't live together and they don't sleep together. But, and then some months, maybe a year later, they'll get married. And they're looking forward to this and they're, they're writing their invitations and they're sending them out and saying, you know, could you come to our betrothal? It'd be lovely to see you. And then they gradually start to get them coming back. And Mary goes, oh, no, Elizabeth can't come. Oh, she's getting on a bit. I wonder, ah, she's having a baby. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, that's a great reason not to come. And, and I think probably Zechariah's got a cold or something. He's lost his voice. and so. They, they gather their friends together, their family together, and at about sort of January, February time, 2022, so just at the start of this year, they have their betrothal, they have their, their sort of engagement party and their celebration, and it's wonderful. And then, after a while, at about March time, Mary sat down and she's making notes of all the things that she's got to do over the next few months towards them, their wedding and where they're going to live and how they're going to fill the house and what they're going to do and all these things that she's got to make lists for. And she sat there making lists and suddenly it's an angel. <laughs> wow. And the angel says, don't be afraid. 
And he speaks to her and he says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Wow. And Mary's so overwhelmed in that moment, but she says, yeah, whatever you say, according to your word, let it be. And then, we don't know when, but at some point, the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she finds herself pregnant. And then she has to go and talk to Joseph. And she says, Joseph, I, I've, got, I've got something to tell you. And he says, well, what is it? I don't know, I don't know quite how to put it. Oh, well, just tell me, Mary. It's not a problem. You know, tell me. I'm pregnant. <gasps> what? How? What? Who? And she says, no, no. There's no who. I haven't been with a man. I met an angel and, and the Holy Spirit come upon me. And, and I'm, and I'm going to carry the Son of God. And he says, Oh, Mary, I can't get my head around this. I can't, I, I just, this is too much for me. I need time, I need to think about this. I think of the shame, think of the disgrace. What on earth are we going to do? It says of Joseph that he was a righteous man and he did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. And so, he says to her, Mary, look, I, I, need to, I need some time to think about this. It's not that I don't believe you, but I, I've never heard of anything like this in my life before. And she says, no, nor have I. He says, look, why, why don't you go and visit your cousin Elizabeth? Well, she, you know, she, she would love to see you, and, and she's pregnant, and she would be, you know, it'd be, you'd love to see her, wouldn't you? And actually looking at the, the calendar, I think that probably, yeah, I think it's time for Zechariah's next uh, division of Abijah. So he'll be heading off to Jerusalem. It'll probably be a good, good moment for you to go and visit Elizabeth. And so she says, yeah, okay. So she leaves Nazareth and she walks 85 miles or so past Jerusalem. She comes another five miles past Bethlehem, another 15 miles, and eventually she gets to Hebron and she comes and she's probably sent on ahead to say to Elizabeth I'm coming to visit you now we don't know what she said but when uh, she arrives it says wonderful it's just wonderful when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit that's not that amazing and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, 
and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Somehow, she had put two and two together. She realized that the baby she was carrying was going to make way the, the, the make ready the way for the Lord, the Messiah. And here was the Messiah in front of her, inside Mary. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. And Mary catches it and she just spontaneously explodes in worship and praise. What we know is the Magnificat. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to take some time to worship and praise our wonderful living God. Over to Naomi and to Ashley. So we left Mary and Elizabeth here in Hebron, and uh, Joseph is up here in Nazareth, and he's just wondering what to do. He's really struggling. He can't work it out, and he's He's getting to the point where he thinks, I think probably I'll leave Mary down in Hebron because then she's not going to have the shame and disgrace of having to give birth here in Nazareth where she's been brought up. And I think I'll just have to divorce her. I can't think of anything else to do. And then one night, he's asleep and he has a dream. And bam, guess what? There's another angel. But the angel doesn't have to say, don't be afraid, because he's asleep. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amazing. So Joseph, he's, wow, yes, I've got the answer. I know what to do. Now let's just head back to Hebron briefly because it's now about June, June 2022. So only just a few months ago. And uh, Elizabeth is just about to give birth. And I am absolutely convinced that Mary would want to be there, be there with her. And what happens? She leaves. And she goes back up to Nazareth. Why would she do that? Well, I think she got word from Joseph. I think he sent a message to her saying, Mary, Mary, come home. An angel has appeared to me and it's okay. Let's get married as soon as possible. Come and join me in Nazareth. And so Mary... She leaves Elizabeth and she walks up past Bethlehem, past Jerusalem, 85 miles up to Nazareth. And she arrives back in Nazareth and Joseph and Mary rejoice together because God has spoken. And so they get married at some point over the you know, few months. And then what happens? Another calamity. Somebody announces a census. And so Joseph says, we, we, we've got to go to Bethlehem. And Mary says, I know where that is. I've been past it a few times recently. And so 
they have to plan a journey to head down to Bethlehem. And so it's probably about now, about the sort of end of November, beginning of December, and Mary and Joseph are making their way from Nazareth, the 85 miles past Jerusalem, another five miles toward Bethlehem. And it's a slow journey because every five minutes, Mary's got to stop and find somewhere to go to the loo. And so it's just it's taking a long time. And eventually, they arrive in Bethlehem. Yes, they've come. Here I am, not Billy No Mates anymore. They're here in Bethlehem. And we know the story. And Jesus is born. And on that day, two things happen. Way over in the east, some wise men see a star rising and somehow they identify that the king of the Jews has been born. Now, we don't quite know where they came from. It could have been uh, somewhere where the Medes were. It could have been in Babylonia. Both areas had exiles from Israel. And so over the centuries, the story of uh, Israel would have been shared and perhaps those astronomers got it. And, but on that day, they saw a star and they said, we've got to go. We've got to go to Jerusalem to see the king of the Jews. So they started to prepare for their journey. The other thing that happened on that moment was on the hills between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, Bam! An angel appears and he frightens the life out of the shepherds out on the fields. And it's like, wow! And the angel says to the shepherds, the Son of God has been born in Bethlehem. And then suddenly the sky is filled with feels like hundreds of angels singing glory to God in the highest, peace to men. I was like, wow, what on earth is going on? And then bam, they're gone. And they can't see a thing. It's been bright light and suddenly it's darkness. And they say, what, what are we going to, well, we've got to go. Let's go. We've got to go to Bethlehem. So they make their way to Bethlehem and they worship and praise the God who is there in a stable, in a manger, wrapped in cloths. And then what do they do? Well, they go back to their sheep. But they don't just go back to their sheep. They go back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. They shared testimony of what God had done in their lives. Do you want to do some more? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do some testimonies. Just, we're going to do the same thing. Share testimony of what God has done in our lives, and we will glorify and praise God together. Let's do it. Quint, it's over to you. Okay, so we are in Bethlehem with Joseph and Mary. Jesus has been born, and it's... Obviously, the 25th of December, 2022. Uh, and now we're going to step into the future. Because eight days, so about the 2nd of January, Jesus is circumcised. And then there has, there's a period of purification, which sort of ends about the sort of second week of February, about that time. And so this is what happens. 
In Luke 2, it says, When the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem. So they went from Bethlehem about five miles to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what has been stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young doves. Now, when you see the nativity scene presented, whether it's on television or in a book or whatever, you see the, the stable and there's the baby Jesus and there's Mary and Joseph and then the shepherds and the animals around and the wise men. No, they weren't there. You see, they were still planning their journey back wherever they were coming from, from the east. And we know, various ways we know, but here is another indication why we know that they hadn't arrived. Because the sacrifice that they made was a couple of birds, a couple of doves. Now, if they had had gold, frankincense and myrrh presented to them, they would have afforded a, a lamb and a bird as a sacrifice. That would have been the appropriate one for those who could afford it. But it, they present two birds, so it shows that they were poor and they weren't able to afford a lamb. And so that was their sacrifice. But that's okay, because you're able to give what you can give, what you have. And we're going to do that now, because today is the first Sunday of our special offering. When we're going to give it all away, we're going to give some to New Ground and we're going to give some to Zimbabwe. We're going to do it this week and next Sunday. And we've got our, this isn't the manger where Jesus was born. This is the special offering box. So we're going to have a moment when we can pop our gifts in there. You can come and you can put them in. There's bits of paper around where you can create IOUs if you want to. If you're not prepared and you haven't, you've thought, oh, blow, yeah, they mentioned the offering last week and the week before, and I've completely forgotten. It's okay. You don't, you, we got next week as well. And if you forget next week, it'll still be the week after. It's fine. So relax. But, you know, if you, if you have the funds and you can give, then give. Just like Jesus and, uh, sorry, Mary and Joseph would have given a lamb. But if you can't afford it and you don't have much, then just give a little. That's absolutely fine. God knows. And they gave a couple of doves. That's absolutely fine. So we've got a moment. Do you want to say any more? He doesn't want to say any more. So Mary and Joseph and Jesus are in Jerusalem. They've gone to the temple. They're going to give their sacrifice. And we come full circle from where we started, because here Simeon and Amna come up. Simeon, it says, came to the temple by the Spirit. He was led there on that day. Now, how he identified that that baby was the Messiah, I have no idea. But I tell you what, he clearly did, because he said, now let your servant depart in peace. So that was the promise that God had given him. You won't die until you see the Lord, the Messiah. And that's what he was waiting for. And on that day, he saw the baby and he gave thanks. And Anna similarly came up and gave thanks because they'd been praying for decades 
all that time, from 1962, from 2002, from 2012. They've been praying all that time, and now it had happened. Amazing. Now, there are other things that we could have built into our Christmas story, but we've come full circle, and that's where I'm going to close. I want to say one thing, and that is I've used the phrase hope, expectation, and faith a few times that Simeon and Anna maintains that hope, that expectation over a long period of time. And I would say to you, if you have got something that you're holding on to that hasn't yet happened, maybe you're praying regularly for revival. Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's a friend and you're praying and you're praying and it hasn't happened yet. I'd encourage you, hold on. Because just like Simeon and Anna, that moment came and God came good, as he always does. But I also say, if you're feeling a little bit like Zechariah, you've, you've had a promise, you've been holding on to it, and disappointment has crept in, and it's become difficult, and you feel like you no longer have hope, and expectation has disappeared, then I would say I'd, I'd love to pray for you. I don't think I can do anything, but I tell you what, God can. And the wonderful thing is that just like Zechariah, he was able to come and stand in the presence of God. It said he was righteous and blameless. You know, we as believers come and stand in the presence of God, righteous and blameless because of what Jesus has done for us. And that place, the presence of God, is the place where the impossible becomes possible. And that's why we pray. Amen.